Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. We are all slobs. Just came back and wore the exact same clothes we had on yesterday. What'd you expect? Thankfully, you will get to see the softer side of Sears as well. Rachel Colley will be joining us here momentarily. She actually bathed today from the Center for Renewing America. She'll be joining us for the day's group. Uh, after that, we will get to Feedback Friday, where we'll get to your responses and to us, and we'll respond to your responses to us. But before we do that, it is indeed time for the day's group. Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They've been on the cutting edge of building the parallel economy, which is still developing slower than we would like. But thankfully, one place where it is fully available is with one product we fully need access to to thrive in modern America. That's a mobile phone. They are America's only really American mobile phone provider left. They'll give you access to all three major networks. If you're a member, you can switch anytime for free. Uh, and uh, you, instead of giving your money directly to the people and forces that hate you, you'll be giving it to an organization and a company that supports your values, like religious freedom, the sanctity of life, uh, free speech, and more. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They've got extra ways of saying thank you for your service, if you do. For the rest of us, you get a free activation if you use the offer code Steve, my first name, when you make the switch at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call their U.S.-based, which means you can understand them, U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Let us begin with issue one, Bleep Lord Nefarious Says. I'm unemployed at the moment. Um, I, I am a caregiver, uh, so that's, that's kind of a job. Yeah, that's what I, you've been doing? That's what I've been doing, yeah, yeah for, for a long time now. And, um, and a lot of antinatalist activism. So t- tell me what antinatalism is. Sure. So antinatalism, uh, put as simply as I possibly can, is the belief that it is unethical to create new life. Let's talk about parental rights for a second, because it's become evident that it's being used currently in this fight against queer people, and especially queer kids. Kids do have autonomy. We've already established this. For example, if a kid needs a blood transfusion and the parents don't want to, it's not the parents' right to refuse that blood transfusion for that kid because it is life-saving. In the same respect, if a kid only needs to like use a different name and pronoun in school, there might be a reason and a good reason they're not coming out at home and they need a safe place to be themselves. And so to hell with this idea of parental rights. There's huge disagreements among antinatalists about all of those things. So most um, commonly, it is the belief that it's unethical to create new human lives, but this can also uh, apply to animal lives as well, and it can also apply to, um, you know, creatures that might become sentient at some point, like the emergence of sentient machines. I think it's the glitter that makes the pride parade like heaven like pearly gates and streets of gold, surely heaven 
must have as much glitter as a pride parade. I'm, I'm, I'm what is called a, a sentiocentric antinatalist or a biocentric uh, anti or a reverse biocentric antinatalist, um, which means that I'm, I'm for the non-existence of, of anything that has the possibility of feeling. Her reverse was Angel's friend. She's one of several people calling on local authorities to pursue an alternative to traditional prosecution. I know Den believed that we need to address harm and create accountability that is that is really rooted in, in looking at the root causes of, of why harm happens. Burr says Angel strongly disagreed with the current criminal justice system and would not want her alleged killer to go to prison. So my, my antidealism would apply to not just humans, but to animals, to sentient machines, to anything that Dogs, has... Dogs, cats, squirrels, frogs. A whole, a whole kit and caboodle. They should all go. They should all go, yeah. Lo and behold, I was trying to get a copy of my diploma just very recently, and only to discover that I was short three credits. <laughs> so as of uh, yesterday, actually, I have I have now completed those three credits. So, so I have now completed my graduate degree, and uh, I hope to go further. Why, Aaron? Why? Todd, she has her graduate de degree. I don't think it will take you more than one guess to guess what that graduate degree is in. I'm asking you specifically, Todd. Is it sociology? No. It's not my degree? Okay, no. I was going to say that would be no, a nice No, it's print tool. media. <laughs> She's a journalist. Let's get to the first question. Rachel is the guest and ladies first. You are up first. Uh, what just now disgusted you the most and why? What about these people like that Baker? The friends of these people that get killed are all like, yeah, they, they kind of had it coming and we want to celebrate it. It wasn't just this this Baker in Oakland. We all know about the, the girlfriend in New York who's also not wanting to, to identify the suspect who they just caught. I just think that it's absolutely insane to me that these people are fine and willing to just be murdered and have their loved ones be murdered with no repercussion. It's, it's insane to me. I agree it's insane, but in this case, let me literally play devil's advocate. It is, it is also a, dem, it's, it's a demonstration of conviction, is it not? I mean, years ago, guys that, and gals that do what I do for a living would have, we would have created these things as parodies. Well, I guess this is what you really mean. This is where this is really going to go, right? Like the, the video, Aaron, you had like a month ago of the guy in the park who's being uh, threatened with assault by the black male calls the cops, right? Yeah. It's him and his girlfriend are in the park, right? Something like that. And he calls the cops. A black female cop shows up and arrests the black male for harassing them. And he begins, the white guy that called the cops begins to sob. He cries. I didn't want that to happen. I don't want to be a racist. I don't want have. I, I didn't want that. The, the, the black female cops, like, what do you think was going to happen here? It, I, I, yes, Rachel, it is insane. But they're they're willing to do out in public now the stuff that we would have done like parodies about a decade ago. Like this is this is also a serious putting a pretty putting a suicide bomber vest on a thirteen year old. And telling him, when you wake up, you'll get 40 virgins in heaven that Allah will have awaiting for you to usher you into your manhood in eternity. That's, not, that's insane, right? That's insane, right? 
They did those things, though, didn't they? Yeah. And, and they, that was a clear demonstration of conviction in the actual belief system being articulated. Isn't this the same thing? Yes, it's insane, but this is religious-level conviction. They won't violate the articles of their faith. They won't contradict them. They won't circumstantial, uh, you know, well, you know, um, in this case, yes, but, you know, in the real world, we have to, can't let the perfect be the enemy. They're not doing any of that. They're now, you see what I'm, maybe I'm not making my point clearly, but they're going all the way. Yeah, this is what our colleague at Blaze TV, Rob Eno, calls unsane. Yes. There's insane where you're fighting against the sanity, the prevailing sanity, and then there's unsane when you're embracing the insanity and calling it sane. Yes. I know that you have been living and working in D.C. for a long time, and we love that about you, but you're surrounded by a lot of people who aren't really sincere about a damn thing, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on, right? So I just wonder, is, yes, it's insane, but it's, it's a clear demonstration of conviction. Even in the face of great suffering, they will not alter their belief system. You know, there's another belief system out there that used to have that as a hallmark, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of ridicule, even in the face of, uh, of being uh, considered crazy, called cannibals uh, for eating the flesh and drinking the blood of their Lord, uh, called polytheists for believing in a trinity, uh, threatened with their lives, simtars and swords at the neck, and yet just for for centuries on end, refused to give in. Nah, I can't think of what that was. My bad. Call the whole thing off. It's just crazy. No, but and, and all, I'm serious yeah, now. Well, no, this is this. They are serious. This yeah. conviction is serious. Well, and it's why Aaron's montage here is either unintentionally and just, or more more often than not, he did this purposely. He, he conducted a symphony for you because in the same montage with the women that Rachel highlights is over and over again that ridiculous person saying that the most ethical thing in here, here I looked it up just to be clear did you because I want to be pregnant with the meaning that, that she's trying to impart on me here's the definition of ethics moral principles that govern a person's behavior or activity that person says the most and this is to steve's point the most moral thing you can do as a person is not exist so yeah we're right we should be right around the corner from mass hail bop level suicides yeah. with these people great analogy we should be that is hail bop level stuff yeah 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 i mean now and what amazing again within the definition morality is 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 for persons now they extended it to potential like creator level robot transhumanism mm-hmm. and animals and everything but like what the rest here's the rest of us would be like if we have any imago danis well wait isn't this whole we don't morality thing it's because we exist it was because we were created we would start asking questions but look at how bad our the church has been about making sure that the terra firma stays firm Mm. that's how you get to this place i mean look at the thing amazing about her is we see a lot of like the one that the the tranny in there is talking you know they they look crazy that woman 
looks like she's basically telling you like i like this fertilizer better when i plant my cucumbers than this one her affect is just like it's matter of fact i've been yeah. allowed to talk like this for the, two decades she's the now. woman crunching her granola in the david delighton videos yeah. while part bar bartering baby parts yes yes just a casual conversation yes we're but, but yeah. everybody else allows this to go on for two decades while she gets her degree three credits short but like well that's an interesting point you have instead of like that's See. the devil when she was 20 right. years old right right a long time ago the church ceded its position in this culture for a number of different reasons that's a can of worms in and of itself. The, cult, uh, the church ceded its position in society and culture to the universities, in effect. And the universities inculcated uh, secular rationality and reason. Mm-hmm. That woman that you, you hear from multiple times in that montage is the most rational and sane person from their point of view. When you abandoned... The transcendent God, big G God, when you abandon that in favor of secular reasoning, apart from God, all roads lead to death. She is just, she's just ahead of the curve. Okay. She's no Margaret Sanger. At least eugenics was evil. You know, it was evil. It was, it was weeding out the unwanted. She's just saying, no, you know what? Um, under a, a secular framework, our planet is dying. Uh, we all suck anyway. We should just all off ourselves. If you have any capability or any potential of feeling, you should die and not be allowed into this planet. That's the most rational thing. Well, I feed said. my face, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's totally. Yeah. It, but the point is absolute god killer stuff. I, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> right at the. Be- I mean, right at the beginning. Let there be life. Let there was good. Speaking something into existence. And here it's flipping it and saying, no. First commandment given to huma- humanity is to go and create life. Yeah. And just creation in general. This, mm-hmm. this, all that we, I mean, what God did, just it's a masterpiece. It's like, no, that, did you know the opposite is true? Did you know that the most, I mean, the most moral, the most decent, whatever you think of that word means, moral, decent, good, holy, is to not be. Can you think of a, a being or an entity or a cabal whose agenda would be nihilism and deconstruction, chaos, and anti-existence? Probably just a coincidence, Indeed, Jimmy. Let's get to the exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being the odds, John Fetterman is still his own man at this point. And 10 being the odds, Lindsey Graham has his own man. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Aaron. 10. Rachel. 10. 10. Couldn't tell if I got a smile out of Rachel there on that one or not. I couldn't tell. That was good. She's always smiling on the inside, especially when she says Ray Epps or gets the coffee breeze to say Ray Epps. All right, let's get to issue two. Mr. Speaker. The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant.
Florida Congressman Matt Gates disappointed with now former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's handling of a budget battle and the passing of a 45-day stopgap resolution to keep parts of the federal government funded succeeded in his mission of ditching McCarthy. Before the vote to vacate the chair, Gates defended his position. If this country's going down and if we're losing the dollar, I am going down fighting. And I don't care if that means fighting Republicans, Democrats, the Uniparty, the leadership, the PACs, the lobbyists. I've had it. I've been here seven years. We don't have a budget. North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry is now the speaker pro tempore of the U.S. House of Representatives. You know, every time I watch him bang that gavel angrily, I, the thought has occurred to me. Can we think, do this every day, please? Think of, think of. Well, just I'll I'll run down this gamut right now. This is the most expensive when you look again at cost of living, inflation, CPI, interest rates. It's the most expensive used car market of all time. It's the most expensive new car market in almost 20 years. It's the most expensive uh, housing market we've had since 2008. Is it good at all to have a housing market compared to 2008 in any way, shape or form? Is that a good thing? No, 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 it's not. What did I mention on the show yesterday? Three, one of three things would need to happen for the housing market to return to even pre-COVID affordability. Either incomes need to go up 55%. Um, either the home values need to go down 35%. Or we need to lower interest rates by at least four points. So look at what's going on down here where the rest of us live. Have you ever seen Republican or Democrat, anybody holding that gavel, and express any level of anger and in, in, in applying it over any of the stuff happening to us, like they did about whatever you think of this current situation, if you think it's a farce, if you think it's great, it's a revolution, it's an insurrection, if, who, who, whatever you think it is, have you ever seen anybody holding that gavel get as angry and, sm- and smacking it down on the, on the table about what's happening to us down here as they were as he was about the little inconvenience happening to them up there ever seen that forget even holding the gavel while all the things that are happening steve you you just laid out they went on vacation for six weeks yeah you just put it down well if you look at this congress since january they've been on vacation for most of this year so rachel we're going to start with you again because your group center for renewing america was all over this so was the right thing done here and what happens now Absolutely. I think this was not only just historic because we all know this hasn't happened in about 40 or 50 years, but it was historic just in my own lifetime here in D.C. in the last 15 years. I know this is a concept that you guys have talked a lot about. You talked about it with Daniel earlier this week. We have lived under a leadership, a uniparty leadership that has betrayed us at every turn. But two things are true. We entered into this majority. This We entered into this Congress with a slim majority at a time where this is not Clinton's government. It really isn't even Obama's government, we are at the hour of 1159 where the country's burning down. And so the fact that we wanted to have a, a party that would continue to do regular order just wasn't something that, that you and I wanted, but it's something that we've always expected. Flash forward, fat, rewind to January where we have 
more fighters now on Capitol Hill, the, the Chip Roy's, the Ralph Norman's, the Bob Goods, than we have in a very, very long time. And they said, you know what? I get what time it is. Screw it. I'm going to make sure that we fight for the country. And I don't think people realize what happened in January when they orchestrated this whole agreement was extremely important because it did hold Kevin McCarthy to a standard that said, if you screw us on these three or four things, we're going to come back at you. And he, again, fast forward to just this past week, whenever the speaker went down, everyone's acting like it's the worst thing ever. And they're so shocked. Well, guess what? I'm extraordinarily grateful. We at the Center for Renewing America are extraordinarily grateful that we have a handful of people that are willing to fight. It doesn't matter what day or week or time it is. They were willing to say, I'll get called mean names. I'll get trashed by my party. I'll get booed on the House floor when it happens, but I'm going to stop it. Now, we can talk about what happens from here in a second. I know that you and I and, and Aaron and Todd are all on the same page, that we're not used to the Republican Republicans in Congress doing anything good for us. But the fact that we even took this step is big. And it think and it shows me that we have people that are, that are willing to throw their reputations on the ash heap of whatever the lobbyists here think about them. And I was extraordinarily happy to see the people that did that fight for hopefully what will be a new change because Kevin McCarthy broke, has not made a single meaningful policy reform in the nine months that we've had the majority. I mean, there, there's, you know, I love Thomas Massey and I, I've seen him take a lot of bullets other people would not take. I think of COVID, for example. I mean, he's basically, you know, um, John What's-His-Nuts from Game of Games of Thrones, all right, against the entire U.S. Congress on the CARES Act, right? Okay. Uh, you know, and, and Trump's threatening to primary him and everything else for that. But I, I, I love him to death, but I need a better standard than the House is more transparent than it ever used to be. Now, I, I might feel differently if I was serving there. You know what I'm saying? That might mean more mm-hmm. to me if I was serving there daily. But all I know is, it, all I saw out here in the cheap seats is, it was just more transparent than ever. They didn't do jack squat. Yeah, that's all I saw. I mean, yeah, it was more transparent. It was more transparent than ever. They didn't do jack squat. So, though, what's the plan moving forward? Is it going to be better? Aaron. And I, I'm, I'll make this brief so that uh, Rachel can can uh, share her perspective as well. I, I just the, the more the longer this goes on, actually, the more whether or not this was the plan to begin with, the more I actually think this was a good thing. Because here's what's going to happen, especially because we have Jim Jordan and say what you want about Jim Jordan. But his messaging, as we heard yesterday on Ukraine versus our own border, was excellent. We t- discussed that and said as much on the show. We're going to have a scenario now where if Steve Scalise is going to go up for House Speaker, we're still going to have this motion to vacate rule probably being demanded. But your piece of leverage is, hey, but if you uh, get uh, Jordan in there, we can do away with that rule. I don't know if that's the plan. I'm not sure if that's the plan. Uh, but overall, I also think it's, it's fair to say that if, uh, if, if we're looking back six, eight months from now and we see, hey, this was a total missed opportunity, there would be some people who were saying, hey, they had the power to remove the speaker. Why didn't they do that? And so they did that, and now we, now we play ball from there. So I do think, whether it's accidentally or intentionally, this could end up being strategically and tactically a good move. Rachel? We were Lucy with the football our entire lives here in the last 15, 20 years, Republicans have been. And finally, 
the second time he McCarthy pulls the football away from us, we say no more. And people are upset about that. It is blows my mind. I know this is something that you guys have talked about, but I wish they would have the, the Republican Party. Virginia Fox is on the House floor crying after this happened. There was a huddle of people that were in tears about this. You know what they weren't in tears about? The CR that they passed that completely funded right. a weaponized DOJ that has locked up grandmas at the Planned Parenthood I pray at that are 75 years old. If they would be as upset about that, that would, well, okay. So what happens from here? I think, you know, we have obviously McCarthy or Scalise and, and Jordan, but I also think just based on how this game is played, there's going to be a lot more names in the 11th hour. So I don't necessarily think either of those are our final. Um, maybe they will, maybe they won't be, but I think Aaron's right. I think if you have somebody like Jim Jordan, you know, conservatives can say, okay, great. He's a lot, he's more aligned with us. Here's this may be an unpopular opinion. I think it is extraordinarily dumb and short-sighted for anybody to give up their motion to vacate power, regardless of who's speaker. This was a historic win we achieved. And if a majority, a minority of your caucus has no power at all and has to go along to get along, regardless of who the speaker is, then we don't have a functional working body that represents us. And we don't. <laughs> but you're right. Yes. And we don't, Todd. Well, here's why this scares people, because... It doesn't offer anybody on any side a guaranteed grift. Yeah. That's the problem, which is why I love it. Like, I, this, this all reminds me of uh, Captain Bart Mancuso from the USS Dallas in Hunt for Red October. The hardest part about playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. Nobody knows, but at least somebody went in and played the game. What I, I absolutely wrote to, and her sentiment there, uh, Rachel's about the, the, the whining and the crying. Oh, what? I just don't know where my griff's going to come from now. I, I just can't believe that the people are stepping up after saying for years on the GOP side, we need to work with Democrats. We need to talk with Democrats. We got to be like them. We got to do this. We got to fund. We got to do everything like them. And then the moment somebody decides, you know what? I hate this game regardless of his motivations or whatever else on matt gates he's just like this game sucks and he's right and he uses all the oh you really want to play with the democrats let's do that we're gonna go with eight plus 200 you're out of here and they're like you worked with the democrats how dare are you kidding me yeah regardless of whether or not matt gates is a fraud whether he's a clown what have you that actually i think proves the point that's being made here is that for so long, GOP leadership has deserved this, especially from if you want to call him a fraud or a clown like Matt Gates. They deserve that. So, yeah, this also is more power making this was righteous no matter further, what outcomes come forward. Rachel. Also further making Gates's point was you guys all saw, oh, great. Uh, Patrick McHenry kicks Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their offices. No, that wasn't righteous indignation. That was the agreement that Pelosi, and this has been well reported, Pelosi and McCarthy had a deal that Pelosi and the Democrats were going to bail them out, so he gives her her plush office. This wasn't a, a revenge. This was Pelosi and McCarthy had a deal all along for Dems to save him. They screwed him, and then he gets mad and kicks him out of the office. I'm glad you brought that up. That's an important point. Also, consider the big bargaining chip here was office space. I mean, yeah, that's just perfect. Todd, I won't out what Todd makes. He makes a good living because I pay him. So I know what he makes. You couldn't move your family with the current housing market for all the factors we just discussed, interest rates, inflation, everything else. You couldn't move your family into a neighborhood closer to Des Moines Christian where your kids are going in this housing market, correct? 
No, I'd have to pull my kids back out and put them into a gender-confused school if I wanted to make that trade. Yeah, because you couldn't afford both. Right. You couldn't afford both the school that wouldn't try to deconstruct them and then the, the, the neighborhood close to that school. That right? is one or the other. Okay. When you hear that the grand bargaining chip in the House of Representatives was office space, don't answer. It, it will get us all banned. Okay? I'll answer in a way I'm kind of won't get banned, but you'll understand what I'm talking about. That gavel, I'd use it. It went, I just went and hit a table with it. <laughs> Let's get to the exit question. Kevin McCarthy survived for nine months as Speaker of the House. If the odds his successor will also face a motion to vacate the chair over the next nine months were a Fallout Boy song, so I updated it so Rachel would stop freaking mocking me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which Fallout Boy song would it be? A, Sugar, We're Going Down. B, my personal favorite, by the way. B, this ain't a scene, it's an arms race, or C, Immortals. Aaron? Uh, a B. This ain't a scene, it's an arms race. Yep. You think this may go on for a while. Yep. Okay. Todd? Same, but I understood none of the references. I'm Captain <laughs> yeah. America here. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Rachel? Same. The joke's on you. I also don't know any Fallout Boy songs. Now, if you were to tell this girl, like a, this Christian, uh, you know, girl in the 90s like a couple point of grace songs and maybe i can relate <laughs> but i'll say b because i do think it's an arms race and it's not going to be over if they do it once i think they can do it again all right so i guess next time she comes on i'll have to go through the uh the, the 1990s yeah. era uh worship uh, uh catalog throw some amy grant in there maybe too or actually she do she's doing gay marriage before now. she got woke yeah. yeah she's doing lesbian weddings i believe now isn't she great christmas that. show though Really yeah. good Christmas show. Yeah, there's that. So, how many lesbians they bring out for the Christmas show? Do you know? Uh, are, are, none. The, are, are the are Santa's none elves are Santa's elves lesbians? Uh, maybe. Is know. Santa a lesbian? I haven't seen one in several years. All right. When we come back, Ukraine. Stay tuned. All right, Mike here on the Steve Day Show. Just in case of another <clears throat> emergency, make sure you are ready with our friends over at Jace Medical. You remember them. They're the ones that brought us the Jace case last year because they saw what happened to drugs like hydroxy and ivermectin. That just maybe when they might have been the most needed, they were suddenly deemed verboten and ineffective after saving millions of lives for a combined decades across the globe. So they came up with the Jace case. So you could get a backup of venerable medications like amoxicillin and doxycycline before they smear them on you in the future. Well, now they want to make sure you get backed up with your existing medications. So whether we're dealing with diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health and more, they can give you a 12-month backup on your existing medication so you have that peace of mind as well. When you go to jacemedical.com, that's J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount. Discount code DACE at checkout at jacemedical.com, jacemedical.com. Discount code is DACE. 
Let's bring back in Rachel Cauley from the Center for Renewing America as we march on with your weekly look at the week that was. Let's get to issue three, making the case for forever war in Ukraine. Ladies, find you a tranny who looks at you the way Lindsey Graham looks at piles of dead bodies a half a world away. Have you asked uh, Donald Trump, your friend, to come out and publicly support more aid to Ukraine and to push some of these skeptical members of the Republican conference? I'll leave it up to him to what to do, but he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Well, Vladimir Putin has been praising him for yeah, his comments well, about Russia. Ukraine. Here's what I'll Ukraine. say about President Trump. He did not pull the plug on Afghanistan, even though he wanted to. The biggest mistake we made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. You missed all of World War II if you don't know how this uh, movie ends. To the Republicans who say Ukraine doesn't matter to us, you're wrong. Respectfully, you're wrong. The war gets bigger, not smaller. There goes Taiwan. If Ukraine can beat Russia, China's less likely to invade Taiwan and Putin gets stopped. So there's the case. That's the Forever War Inc. case for war in Ukraine. Let's go around the room here. Todd, start with you. You buying it? No. Explain why. Because it's Lindsey Graham. That's pretty close to being all of it. Uh, listen, what? Lindsey Graham, do you dirty? What is the conceivable end game? We weren't talking about this during the Trump years. The great specter of the reawakening of the Russian bear. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the conversation. It's not that he was like, yeah, it should have never been George Bush. Remember you the know, Moscow Olympics? It, they weren't yeah. even sure they're going to be able to pull them off. And they had like literal no, we paper mache toilets and... But, yeah, But nonetheless, it was there. They had the Olympics, the world. This is my point, Steve. It may have not, yeah, it may have been shoddy, but the world came. They, they, it, yeah, George Bush went too far with it, of course. I, I stared into his eyes. I saw his soul. It was a beautiful thing. That was dumb, yeah, too. That was but dumb. it was also yeah. not, like, we weren't talking like we were worried about the USSR coming back. This, this is just not to be believed. It's, it's however many people are dying, and there's a problem because nobody really knows, at least I don't know. But this is, it's nonsense to believe that, it got, that this is true coming out of anybody's mouth, let alone Lindsey Graham, which brings me back to my original point. Do you remember we used to talk, this is the, the, when he was running for president, and oh, there, the first ever uh, transgender Republican. Well, when he showed up to the, the family leader event then, and we actually made a running joke about no matter what question was asked about him, he would simply respond and say about why we need to go to war somewhere. I yes. mean, this is who the guy yeah. is. Yeah. Well, he comes across as a guy that would be handy in a war. It's very virile. Yeah. Very. No. Rachel, what say you? I think the fact that Lindsey Graham was out on the Sunday shows defending the war in Ukraine is actually a pretty big win because you look at how scared the neocons are, how, sta how scared the establishment is at not only Kevin McCarthy being s stepping down really increases the chances that they're not going to do more Ukraine funding. 
You saw just last week, several of these amendments of Ukraine funding were, were supported by Republicans up to like 120, 130 Republicans were saying no more Ukraine funding. I think these guys are legitimately scared that the world is catching on very quickly. And I don't think that there's, there's going to be a shot that much more Ukraine funding keeps happening through Washington. I will say one thought because this is Lindsey Graham cannot do math. One of the stupidest things he said in that interview was that if we pull out of Ukraine, that hurts Taiwan. It's the exact opposite. Like we're, we're basically running out of our ammunition stockpile. The Pentagon announced it yesterday. They're going to have to down to two weeks we in our like strategic petroleum reserve. Yeah. It's so like you can, this isn't even a, a, a foreign policy discussion at this point. It's a math problem. But I think it's a good sign he's out there defending it because he knows the neocons know they have to step up their their defense game. Aaron. Uh, hell no. This is not a this is not a good defense. This is the same warmed over neocon talking points I've heard my entire sentient life. Heard these same types of arguments about Afghan staying in Afghanistan, going into Iraq, uh, over and over and over again. It's just the same ones. And I ask myself a question when I hear people like Lindsey Graham make this case: Why is it that every geopolitical conflict? inevitably results in dead bodies and bloodshed. Why? Let's say Russia is one of our biggest geopolitical foes. Do you know how many warm water major points, ports they have? One, mm-hmm. and it's in the Black Sea, which mm-hmm. means what? You have to go through uh, a canal that's controlled by a NATO ally. That's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big advantage we have, isn't it? To choke them off. China, despite its size and despite these countries' size, China has massive, massive logistical problems and choke points that we could exploit if we wanted to. But no, no, we got to go with a boots on the ground war in Taiwan. Why is that? Well, those, those smart leverage plays that I just laid out, where you could go to choke points, you could exert some leverage. Those are cheaper options. The smarter options are always cheaper. And then there's just the power tripping of this is conventional warfare and I like being able to sign my name on a, on a move to declare war on another country. It's just wicked. It's just evil. I'm absolutely sick of it. Let me express one thing here quickly. And Rachel, I want to get your take on it because we've already discussed it amongst ourselves before. I I am fearful that this has been so mismanaged by the Biden administration. And and therefore, Putin has. Did you guys hear what he said today? Because we saw him blow his uh, his political opponent out of the sky last week, mm-hmm. last month, right? He said, "No, a bunch of his crew uh, they were uh, getting stoned on the uh, and 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 um, opening up grenades in the plane." That's what he said. There, I I am fearful that this has been so mismanaged, and and so many resources have been depleted in this cause, that he may feel emboldened now, and he might say. The he here being Putin, I don't, what's my incentive to negotiate? I would have been fine just taking the Donbass before, but I'm going to take the whole effing thing now. And then maybe I will move on. And that this thing has been mismanaged so much that they have, tur- they have turned Putin into the very figure their talking points were justifying when this started. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's my fear. My, my fear is, and that little voice in the back of my head says, 
Why would Putin negotiate now? Why well, would this, he do that? That's been the secret sauce all along, though, on some level. Nobody knows his actual... Unless there was some talk like he was legitimately like losing his mind or something like that. That was out there for a while. I haven't heard that since, since then. I think nobody knows the, the the actual limits of what he or can can and cannot do than Vladimir Putin. I think he simply relies on all the magical thinking of everybody else, one direction or the other, and how easy it is to, through for grift or political manipulation, whatever, to get people saying, thinking, believing all kinds of crazy things about what he's capable of when, really, like, I think he's he'd be the first to tell you, I couldn't even pull off the USSR if I tried, unless you give it to me, which apparently may happen. Rachel? I think you're right, Steve. I think in their desire to make him the the ussr all the nonsense we're doing with nato expansion we're trying as hard as we can to piss putin off in a mm-hmm. way that they want him to act meanwhile the bad guy they want and putin is sitting over there in china as happy as a lark and they're not you know we're we're, we're letting Xi run our country and giving him access to our green energy you know creating green energy here the chinese have basically run overrun our country so it's just a willful willful blindness that they don't even want to address china and they are so obsessed with with russia All right, let's get to the exit question. Aaron, I'll start with you. What do you think is the most likely outcome in Ukraine? There will be boots on the ground at some point from the United States. I don't know what the outcome will be after that, but I do know that that is an outcome in and of itself. That's an answer in and of itself. Hmm. Rachel. I agree with Aaron. I think what England just sent boots on the ground last week, I think sadly we'll probably be behind sometime before the next administration can take over. Todd, Putin's gonna win. He's gonna he's gonna be the one that gets something closer to what he always intended to get. See, I don't notice we we are kind of unclear of what the outcome is. That's what makes me nervous. Let's get to the kicker topic, issue four. Is Matt Gates actually Ilan Omar's brother? Look at the smolder that Ilan has on her face there. The lip lick, lick, I should say. I mean, run that back again, Aaron. Let people see that again. Get a good look at this. I mean, look at that. The tongue in cheek. Contemplating, like, hmm, I don't know, man. He looked pretty good. Look at that. Look at that. You were talking about ladies get a tranny that looks at you the way that Lindsey Graham looks at forevermore. Fellas, get a woman that looks at you the way Elon Omar was looking at Matt Gates yesterday. Are you kidding me? Look at this. Look at that. So based on her predilections in the past, is Matt Gates actually Elon Omar's brother? Aaron. Of course. Why is this controversial? Why, why are you laughing? Of course. Are you going to throw in, uh, can Matt Gates be smoked? Sure. Okay. I'm, All right. <laughs> Sorry, Rachel, you had to be here yesterday. Sorry. I'm Go sure ahead. Lindsey Graham has that uh, thought as well. Oh, hello. All right, Todd. I don't see race or gender or anything. Uh, so whatever it takes. Get her done. Rachel, you're the, you're the closest thing we have to a woman on set here. So you tell yeah, us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Elon Omar's types are of blood relatives or political consultants, because that's who has been in the trail of tears <laughs> of her failed relationships. And I don't think Matt Gates is on her is on her payroll. So I'm going to have to say 
she's just she's just longingly looking over there. But I, I think there's no blood relation. I think Gates is in the clear. But she was checking him out. Are we wrong about that? I mean, certainly looks like it. Right. I mean, I got, it look, right. It does look like it. I mean, that might be the first time in Ilan Omar's life she was prepared to swipe right. First time ever, right there, right? All right, we'll let it go. (laughs) We had to have some levity here in the midst of the collapse of this once great civilization. Straight up, though, she liked what she saw. Straight up. Aaron, predictions, go. I'm stealing what's probably Rachel's prediction. Maybe not. Uh, Your Boilermakers beat my Hawkeyes tomorrow. Yeah, that was actually my prediction. Yeah. I'm going for I'm going Can the Hawkeyes be smoked? I'm sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead, Two touchdowns. I think we're gonna win by two touchdowns. I could see that. I could see Iowa getting up like ten nothing and still losing by two two touchdowns. Todd, who's more annoying when they get nihilistic about their favorite team? Me or Aaron? Oh, it's it's, it's you. It's you. I mean, good grief. The lack of hesitation was right. Like, is this a real question? Yeah. That's an answer. It's harder to figure out if Matt Gates is Ilan Omar's brother to answer that question. I still haven't unmuted you, Michigan podcast. <laughs> nice. Maybe I need to. All right, so that's your prediction, uh, Rachel, is that uh, you guys are beating Iowa by two touchdowns this weekend? Yeah, but since Aaron stole mine and we're all on the same page here, thankfully, um, I will say that Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Police State, which stars one of my colleagues I know you guys are friends with, Steve Friend, former FBI whistleblower, it comes out in about two weeks. And my prediction is it may not do as well as Nefarious, but I do think in the first day it hits the the, uh, box office, it's going to break a million dollars. October 23rd. Wow. They actually just sent us a pitch for that today. So Great. Yeah, we will work on that. Todd, to honor Steve's return back to the dark magic that is Lions fandom, the Bears' first victory of the year will come against the Lions. (laughs) Well, the Lions are going to be my prediction as well, okay? I am here to guarantee that the Detroit Lions will finally make it to the Super Bowl this season. I'm going to tell you why. I had no idea you were going to say anything about the Lions when I made I know, mine. I know. I got a call this week from our colleague Jason Whitlock, who wants to see if we can do some form of Bud Light to the NFL. And he wants to organize a boycott of the Super Bowl along those lines. And he kind of laid out his pitch to me. And then he was like, so what do you think? I said, I think, brother, you just guaranteed the Detroit Lions are making the Super Bowl this year. Because it would be the most Detroit Lions thing ever, ever, ever. 40 years I've been a fan. You're going to make this 40 years a slave. You're going to make it about you. Yes. Isn't it always? (laughs) Quite frequently. (laughs) All too often. (laughs) And then finally, when they make it. You're not watching. I'm I'm part of a boycott of the Super Bowl. But you know what? I'll take that trade. If, if it took me not watching the Super Bowl for the Lions to finally make it. Took you not watching the uh, Wolverines, for right? For us to finally win that game. It yeah. worked. Yeah, it that's worked. How, that's how this worked. It, yes. Yeah. Yes, they were just waiting for me to give up, and they are like, all right, finally. Yes. Do you ever um, lay in bed at night and wonder if Aiden Hutchinson knows who you are? I refuse to answer that on the grounds <laughs> that it may incriminate me. <laughs> 
efforting? I is thought there, you were is there a good to, answer to that question? I thought you were either going to fire me or do something along those lines. All of those answers, all those questions, all the, all the answers to that question are going to make me look bad one way or the other. We're sorry, Rachel, for what yes. you just endured these last five minutes. Good to see you as always, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Can Aiden Hutchinson be smoked? I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> just on a plank of cedar. I'm The rest cedar, of the year, yeah. I'm just going to be randomly inserting that. <laughs> can it be smoked? There's a lot of things that can be smoked. Smoked baked beans. <laughs> smoked scalloped potatoes. I've had that. It's we really actually good. still have another hour left. Stay tuned. Back here with Hour 2 here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre and Todd Erzin. And all of you who can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Just email us, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, me, we, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. If you listen to the podcast, we appreciate you. Please show your appreciation for us if you don't mind by leaving us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice and hit subscribe or in the case of itunes follow to make sure that every time we do a new episode it indeed shows up in your inbox and thank you to all of you that have done that for us too this part of the show brought to you by our good friends over at my patriot supply did you hear me uh regale you with the uh, the sordid tale of the current housing market last hour Things kind of seem a little bit slippery right now, like we're kind of slipping. Yeah, just make sure you're ready. Oh, that could never happen here, in case that happens here again. Um, better to have it and not need it than to need it and then not have it. That's the motto of our friends over at My Patriot Supply. They want to make sure you get the best deal they can offer on their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Even drinks and snacks, the full regimen of 2,000 plus calories that you need each and every day. And they've got more than a dozen types of meals inside, so you can mix and match for variety as well. You can get these three-month emergency food kits right now for 25% off and free shipping. 25% off and free shipping when you go to preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. Once more, preparewithdace.com. All right, are we ready to go with some Feedback Friday? Yes, indeed. Let us begin with Michael Showalter. Let's just go ahead and set the mood right from the jump, shall we? Michael says, after watching your last couple of shows, I decided to watch a movie that would give me at least a modicum of hope for the future. So I watched Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. I love that. I think I'm picking up what he's laying down. Yeah. By the way, did you guys say did you guys see that Elon Musk said yesterday? He is convinced there is no such thing as extraterrestrial life. I did not see that. No. Yeah, just he's convinced of it. He's seen no evidence of alien life forms and any of the technology he's been involved in and any of the space exploration he's uh, he's he's considered or actually engaged in. 
even went so far as to say that um, he believes all the evidence shows we are the only candle uh, of candlelight of consciousness in the universe. He is so close. So we best do what we can to make sure we keep that candle going. That's what he actually said. I, I agree, Aaron. He's either so close, or, or that's the freaking the most, Antichrist. That's no, no, no yeah. or that's the most evidence I've heard yet that aliens actually do exist because he has it and he doesn't want anybody to know about it. It's one or the other. Yeah, I, I, I think he's so close, or he's the freaking Antichrist. That's what I think. I kind of think it's going to be one or the other. No, I think got, I think if you've got $29 billion, you're kind of one or the other. Because you have, you've accumulated so much wealth and so much power that either, I mean, you are a modern-day Constantine, to borrow from your church history, uh, or you're an antichristical figure. He's got too good of a sense of humor to be the Antichrist, I think. I think the Antichrist will be kind of boring, do you? No. Oh, he might have charismatic. No, no not that. No, just he's, uh, he's actually just speaking memes. So Mike, mm. so so Mike Pence is the Antichrist. Memes closer. <laughs> Gosh. M- Melanie says, um, listening to part of your show the other morning just infuriates me. Your precious Ron DeSantis lies too and is definitely not a saint. He used a fake AI voice of Trump in one of his campaign ads to make it look like Trump said something controversial when he didn't. His unscrupulous unscrupulous measures have lost my vote, and I'm sure many others. You want to attack Carrie Lake for lying, then do the same with Ron DeSantis. What's her name? Which which lies? Can you point can can you point yeah, to that some never specific happens. ones? Well she did. She said that they used the AI to make it look like Trump said something he never said. That's not- but he did say that. It just wasn't. What, there I, were, the, yeah, there just wasn't a clip of it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I would like to know if there was an actor reading a, like an impressionist of Donald Trump, reading off a tweet of Donald Trump for an ad like this, would she have a problem with it? I don't know. Is it negative against Trump? Yes. Okay, then the answer is probably yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's that, her name? That's kind of my read, Melanie. Melanie, he's not going. By the way, to date I, mi- you. I missed that name. I, that was a that was a good name, girl name when we were growing mm. up. Not a lot of Melanie's anymore. What happened to that name? It's a good name. What did you do, Melanie? <laughs> no, we're not doing that again. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> Can it be smoked? <laughs> Make sure you smoke before you spice. Just My the mom. way you said that yesterday, so deadpan too. No, I was earnest. I, I know, to know, I know. It was earnestly deadpan. That's what made it funny. I wanted right. to know if the salmon was smoked. <laughs> Precious <laughs> smoked Ron DeSantis. The rest of this year, I am going to just randomly insert that at very awkward times. <laughs> just be warned, okay? At very awkward times. Can it be re- smoked? Is this continuing resolution uh, smokable? <laughs> yeah, believe me, you could roll some joints with that thing for sure. All right, Patrick says, we live and go to a church in Georgetown, Texas. That's a city just north of Austin. As the service was coming to a close, the pastor stood up and asked us to pray for him this next week. Next Sunday, he is traveling to a church in Dallas to preach to a group of Iranian Christian refugees who are here due to their persecution. He asked us to listen to this very carefully. He asked us to pray for him and what he is supposed to say because the Iranians he was going to speak to are ready to go back home. 
Yes, you read that correctly. He said, quote, they would rather go back home and face religious persecution than to continue to live among this godless culture we call America, unquote. Our pastor is going, to, is going not to preach to them, but to try to persuade them that we need them here to teach us how to follow Christ deeper and truly be countercultural. How far gone are we as a culture that these brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ would rather face the Shah of Iran and that parsic, well, you really mean the Ayatollah of Iran. They, they got rid of the Shah. I would rather face the Ayatollah of Iran and that persecution than live in this godless culture. I immediately thought of you and know it's a long shot. You'll see this, but thought it was worth trying. I love listening to you guys daily. And I thought this was very apropos to what you have been discussing lately with Theology Thursday. Keep up the good work. Tell Todd and Aaron I said hello. And because there are a few of us Texans left still fighting the good fight. Reaction to that. Asked and answered. And it's in Texas. Yeah. They are fleeing Texas. To Iran. <laughs> Can that be smoked? No. <laughs> I just... It's awful quiet around here right now. It is awful quiet around here. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. Big game of the 49ers this weekend. I had a, there's a, I had a buddy who was one of the heads of uh, missions for like a major Pentecostal administ- uh, yeah. denomination. Have I told this story before? It's important. Okay. But it kind of fits in with this situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was coming back. His plane was stranded at uh, JFK Airport in New York. And he was coming back from an overseas mission conference. And he sees three African black men, meaning that you can see from their tone, they're native Africans, okay, uh, from their skin tone and also from their, uh, their accents, you know. And, and these three um, Africans, uh, African men, they look kind of lost, you know. And he's like, well, yeah, my plane's delayed. I got time. I'll go help these guys out, you know. And he goes over and uh, strikes up a conversation with them. They're three brothers, and they had come over here uh, from, I think it was Nigeria, which if you know that country, it, um, it has a lot of open Christian persecution there. And, uh, and he starts talking to them. They're very well educated. So he's under the assumption that um, they came here to the U.S. to get educated, and they're going to go back and help their primitive country of Nigeria, right? And so he's like, hey, I think it's great, you know, that you guys are taking advantage of the opportunities here in the U.S. And you're going to go back home and make a real impact there on your homeland. And the three brothers go silent when he says this. And the two younger brothers kind of look at the older brother like, should we say something? Should we tell him the truth, you know? And uh, they defer to him. And finally, the older brother speaks up and he says, no, sir. Back home in Nigeria, our, our, our village pastor showed us video of what's happening in American culture right now. And he challenged us. Who will go to this dark place and bring them the light of the gospel? We, we came here to mission to you all. He told me that story about 15 years ago. Maybe longer.
I think I think I read recently for the first time ever. America is importing more missionaries than it is exporting, sending out. First time in American history. I think I read that a couple of years ago, if I remember right. Thoughts? We are not a shining city on a hill, that's for sure. The good news, though, is that the Lord will chasten those whom he loves. That chastening will come with some pain for a lot of people, I think. Hmm. But if we are... Ultimately, I would like us to not face persecution. But when it comes to the state of our eternal souls, that may be what the doctor ordered for the church in, in this country. It seems like it has been for, you know, every other persecuted Christian across the planet throughout time. Is it possible? Is it, is it possible to maintain the salt in your testimony without any suffering at all? No. I'm wondering if that's the case. Now, the- I mean, meaning, and, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, you bringing out gallows and no, no. democides, but you know the the a willingness to risk anything—a relationship, yeah. a, a a menial job. But suffering doesn't even some have form to of be, approval. The suffering doesn't actually have to be yours. Like something happening to you, you have to be uh, at least get uncomfortable by exposing yourself to others' suffering mm-hmm. at the at, at the very least. But no, I. I'm glad you asked that question. I think it's obvious that that's what's behind all of my commentary on we are just simply too damn comfortable with that, that in one way or the other, either on our terms or terms like Aaron says that are totally, we've totally lost the script. It it's going to happen one way or the other. Mike in Indiana has an interesting thought exercise. Really quick, I just go, popped you in want my to go back. To, go ahead. No, the, no you're good. Uh, to your point, like the, you know those pictures that the, they go, they're online quite often now on our city streets that have just falling into decay and def, decadence, and there's like homeless camps combined with drug addicts and the, the meth heads, and they're just like, they're like, they look like human statues. They're just kind of whatever the, the high is, but they're just, they're slumped, you know, into, do you know what I'm saying? Have you seen no, any of those? They're no. just, they're like, just putty. They, there's like a strange, even if they're on their own feet, they're just kind of yeah. rigor mortis. It's yeah, very, fentanyl. very odd. Yeah. But, and, but they're like the poster child for pleated cat. Like just, yeah. they're everybody. That's the culture right there. That's even the church. They are, they're just zombies. They're zombies. Those people aren't suffering, but neither are you. And you look like oh, our lives are totally different. You're every bit as drug, drug addicted. 
over there. Oh, you're, we're worse. We're whitewashed too. Because oh, yes, yes. on the outside, it looks like we got yes. it going on. Yes. Yeah. Mike in Indiana with an interesting thought exercise. He says, what would your take be if Cruz would have been elected in 2016? What would he have done on spending, the border, domestic energy production, and most importantly, COVID? Would we be in a better place? I voted for Trump in 2016, but will not in 24 if he's the nominee. He has so much to answer for, and I think he's a coward for not having the balls to admit or defend everything that he did. Well, I'll let the other part, Mike, that's your take on that speak for itself. Let's get to your question, though. And if, if Cruz had been president, a few things I think I think. I don't think... I don't think he would have been a better foreign policy president than Trump. That's not to say that I think he would have been a bad foreign policy president. But I I think Trump's willingness to call the bluff on the so-called Palestinian question, what to do with the Palestinian people, the, 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 the people kicked out of Jordan who settled there on the West Bank, basically, what, what, what to do with them. And... I think Trump, because of the amount of business that he had done in the Middle East with the, with the Saudis, with Erdogan and Turkey, for example, understood a lot more about the inner workings of Islamic subculture than even conservative think tanks do. And I think he understood that there's a lot of people saying Wahhabism out loud in public for the plebs, but really don't buy it. There's elites in every culture that just want to make a deal and make more money. And I think he had I think he had firsthand knowledge of this because of his own business dealings and knew that he could get around the Palestinian question to forge real substantive peacemaking there. And I don't I I don't see that Ted Cruz would have had that sort of knowledge. And I I think he would have done better than what we had seen. But I don't know that it would have been as good. On the domestic front, I think Cruz would have been definitely better. And here's why. Um, I, because he could actually stick to a narrative and a message. And I, I just don't think he'd have any issue or time for or care whatsoever for the pissing matches that just Trump wanted to just literally have whole days of his administration, if not weeks at a time, be completely bogged down by. Just, in fact, that was to Ted's detriment as a candidate. It's just, it's just all issues. That's all he cares about. So I think on the domestic side, there would have been better execution. I don't, I don't foresee, really, I don't foresee anybody could have done better than Trump did in foreign policy because... To, to, to think that you could get around the Palestinian question is a hell of a, is a, hell of a bluff. I mean, the Palestinian question had, had, had essentially vice-gripped our foreign policy for decades. And the whole thing was built around how much land can the Israelis give up to finally satisfy the Palestinians so we can have peace in the Middle East. Trump just knew that was all BS. He had made enough money with a lot of these uh, Islamists and their elites that he knew that was all BS. And I just don't know anybody else would have had that knowledge to call that bluff. You're calling like a 40-year foreign policy bluff, man. And he'd had the balls to do it and deserves credit for it. On the domestic side, though, I, Ted just would not have taken the bait on many of the things that Trump did. Just not who he is as a person, would not have cared, would fire people for indulging it, 
just not who he is on any level at all. On COVID, I suspect Ted, um, I suspect Ted would have taken a cautious approach at first, like Trump did. In no way, shape, or form could I envision Ted Cruz farming out his his administration to bureaucrats. I mean, he he would have thought he's smarter than all of them. I think he would have listened to him. I I think no matter no matter who was president, we were going to have 15 days to flatten the curve or something like that. Call a timeout, like in a basketball game. Let's see what we're dealing with. See if we can slow the momentum. What's the truth of what's really going on? But I, I, I think Ted would have known what to do with a Scott Atlas. I don't think he would have uh, ever let somebody like a Debbie Burks or Anthony Fauci essentially kidnap his administration at all. Um, and I think he would have been much more aggressive in messaging against it Especially, especially once we got to the place that other Republican governors were beginning to reopen their states, like in Iowa and Georgia and Florida and Texas. Especially Texas, given that that's his home state. I'll stop there for now. You guys want to comment on what I've said before we go any further? Well, I know back in the day, you presented the question, who is more dangerous to the left? Who's viewed as more dangerous to the left, Cruz or Trump? Mm -hmm. And I, without hesitating, and this is part part of why we were never Trump. I was like, Ted Cruz, absolutely. I mean, that art of the deal is just going to turn into a lot of, you know, at best, middle of the road mush. He'll go Democrats a bunch of different ways. Which is why I don't even think, I, like, I don't, do we even have COVID if Ted Cruz was president? Do we have Russian collusion? Trump was just viewed as so uniquely dangerous to them or deserving uh, of punishment because he was one of them once and now he turned on them. Whatever combination of factors, like, I, I think it's a, t- I, Cruz may have been politically dangerous in the traditional sense. I just don't think he would have triggered Order 66 which is what happened with Trump. And not, I sure none of us saw that coming. Like how he was just going to be so uniquely, uniquely a vessel just to totally undo everything. I also think I could also see Ted doing an Operation Warp Speed. But I also think that there would have been a lot tighter parameters on it. Uh, meaning that, you know, the idea, I don't think Ted's giving a company that had never brought a product to market, a blank check like a Moderna, for example. But could I see Ted with the concept of, you know, especially given what a lot of people, a lot of people's eyes about vaccines have been opened. Just honestly, my, my, my own self is included in just the last couple of years. I, I could have seen, I could also see something like an Operation Warp Speed under a President Cruz, but it wouldn't just be, you know, uh, just tell me how much money you need and go do it. That's what Trump did. Like, I mean, Ted, Ted would not have been like a master delegator. He would want to have oversight and a voice and control of virtually everything. At least that's the Ted Cruz that I know anyway. Aaron? Yeah. Didn't we do a, uh, an evergreen on this? Maybe that was with Hillary Clinton. Okay. Yeah, I think that was actually with Hillary. But it is a, it is a fun thought experiment. See, I don't, I don't think... I don't think Cruz would have done Operation Warp Speed because if we're done with this after 15 days, there's no market for Operation Warp Speed. Although that did get going pretty. Talk about developing a vaccine did start pretty quickly. Uh, Foreign policy. 
you know, I, I do think there's probably a more of an aggressive tendency with with Cruz than than Trump was. But domestically, Cruz is just a cold operator. Or at least that's what I thought of him as back then. He understood the levers and gears of power. Unlike DeSantis, though, he didn't have a record proving that he knew how to use them. But I don't think the reaction would have been quite the same if he had beat Clinton. Now, there is the possibility that, you know, we run up to the election of 2016, Cruz versus Clinton. And there's this aura of inevitability about Hillary Clinton, similar to what we had with Donald Trump, to where we're really pulling their pants down if Cruz wins an upset. That might have triggered that as well. But yeah, all the things about Donald Trump, just personally, on a personal level and at a policy level and at a kind of showmanship level, they had to destroy him. They had to destroy him in ways that they really could not do with Cruz. So I don't think, as Todd put it, Order 66 would have gone out on Cruz. It, they, they would have gummed up the works as much as they possibly could, like they would with any Republican nominee or president, but I don't think it would have been to the degree that we have seen with Donald Trump. Hmm. That's good. That's well said. Let me, let me, maybe I could narrow it down even simpler than what I said previously. The two men could not be any different. And in many respects, it's the same thing with Trump and DeSantis. Having spent time around each of them personally, the two men could not be any different. And in many of the same respects, I mean, DeSantis's personality is a little different than Ted's, but their perspectives as pure ideologues is very similar. And so, therefore, the areas where Trump's persona benefited him, deal-making, I think he would have outperformed Ted there. The areas where Trump's lack of systemic worldview and over-eagerness to just delegate to avoid responsibility, those are areas where Ted would have done better. Because he has a fully developed worldview and he actually would want to govern and not just delegate to a bunch of bureaucrats. So I, I think we'd, we'd probably, if, if there had been a President Cruz instead of a President Trump, we would have had different successes and different complaints. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Bill Burroughs in the Lake of the Ozarks says, sorry, not sorry. Voting for RFK Jr. would be the biggest mistake ever. I agree on the COVID-19 issues you guys bring up, but with RFK Jr., it begins and ends there. He would be very close in policies as Joe Biden. Don't kid yourself. We just need to go after the Republican presidential candidate that wins and demand retribution for what they did to all of us during COVID. That's why lifting up RFK Jr. is not a good idea. If that's your take, I don't have a problem with that. Don't necessarily agree, but I don't. I don't think any of your reasoning is necessarily flawed. I mean, if that's if that's still your take after going and watching the worldview exercise that we did on Monday, I would have a difficult time getting to the strong, you know, the, the the stance where you are. Even though I had RFK Jr., I think rated the lowest of yeah, all of us. You had us. the most negative take. You did. Yeah. Um, I would still have a little bit of a hard time reaching that type of a conclusion. But if that's the conclusion that you've drawn and you're just going hardline, I don't I don't think that's a big deal to me. What do you think, Todd? Uh, It was civil. It wasn't hysterical. Uh, Like so many of the trolls, there was no dear leader aspect of what you're talking about. I don't 
I don't know that you're realistic about the likelihood of the retribution. You're talking about no matter who the Republican is, but, you know, I, I appreciate the input. But it's not unwarranted. Here's the, here's the beauty of Trump, I'm sorry, of RFK Jr. running third party or independent. Is I think you're going to get answers to these questions now. Because there is no reason to appease any traditional Democratic constituency on any level. There's none. So, I mean, when you're running for office, and I say this not as someone who has done it himself, but been around a lot of people who have, you end up dealing with voters who disagree with you the same way you often do with family. Which is, is it worth blowing up this family gathering to express this disagreement? And if the answer is no, then I'll either say nothing and let you march on or I'll agree with you just for the sake of this moment. And I th- you're going to find out now that he doesn't have to appease really any Democratic constituency or even pretend to. Then maybe he does really think that there ought to be an abortion ban at 21 weeks. We'll find out, though. There's no reason at all whatsoever for him not for for RFK Jr. to not just completely and 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 fully and transparently tell you what he thinks on every singular issue. He doesn't. There's no crazy aunt in the you know in the family that he's got to appease. No cousin Eddie he's got to appease. Doesn't have to appease anybody. Can say whatever the hell he wants. So, I think we'll get answers to some of these questions. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. You agree? I agree. Okay. Um, okay, when we come back, let's talk boomers. Woohoo. We got some boomers in the inbox. <laughs> They've got a few things to say, and I think we ought to at least listen to them. Can't imagine a scenario where this goes well. It doesn't have to be terrible. It usually is. Can boomers be smoked? We're going to find out. (laughs) Can we be smoked? All right, we'll find out in a moment. Stay tuned. The Steve Day Show. Yes, it may be getting cooler out there, but don't forget about our friends over at Sweat Block because often you're not dealing with excessive sweating because it's just too dang hot out there. But because of adrenaline, nervous tension, anxiety, that can cause you to pit out. That's why you want to check out their antiperspirant wipes for your armpits. You can use them around the rest of your body as well. But these things are killer, kind of the OG product line that launched Sweat Block as a company. But that's not the only thing in their product line. They've got their own deodorant as well. And so, you know, that absolutely uh, brings the truth when it comes to helping you against excess sweating. I love the deodorant lotions. I think those feel good on your skin and also help uh, you from getting uh, swampy in areas that you don't want. 
so many great options, and you can get 20% off all of them when you go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code DACE. Sweatblock.com, all one word, just like it sounds, sweatblock.com. Promo code DACE for 20% off at sweatblock.com. Okay, boomers, we ready for some uh, more Feedback Friday? I guess. Jeff McFan writes, being a boomer from the Buckeye State, I thought the only thing disappointing about you and your show is you're a young punk Michigan fan. And since it's all fun and games, I could easily put up with such nonsense. But on your recent show, you guys came off sounding like a bunch of whiny teenagers blaming everything not perfect in your world on your parents. I agree our country is in a world of hurt and that the boomer generation allowed a lot of the chaos to get started. But I'm not seeing your generations doing a whole lot to remedy the situation. I'm fairly certain pointing fingers at the boomers accomplishes nothing productive. But I still love your show. Keep up the good work. Even if at times our world seems unbearable, you guys point out the few bright spots and do give us hope. I don't necessarily disagree with anything Jeff said. The, just at the end there, we don't really point out very many bright spots. <laughs> we could do a better job of that. <laughs> yeah, but I don't... I, don't disagree, and I don't. In fact, I think I've even said many times I'm not entirely convinced our generation will do better given who trained them. But also, you know, you don't see a lot of our generation just saying, "Okay, if you boomers won't go out, it won't go out of the way. We'll just move you then." You don't see that, you know. If if I had to, if I had to. If we're going to overgeneralize generations here, I would say a lot of a lot of my gen, a lot of our generation. If you're a Gen Xer, look at look at look at some of the social conventions that that our generation is responsible for. Uh, just a few of them: grunge music, reality TV. I mean, original reality TV before before what we see now. Okay. Um, sort of a notion of calling BS on people and and places and movements and institutions, but then it it's kind of you know reality bites. Remember that movie? You're just kind of the Ethan Hawke character. We just call BS, but then there's like no action. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. we're just, we're really good about just saying, eh, that's just total BS. And not falling for contrivances or anything of that nature. But then we almost act as if that's all that has to be done, which is what you see right now. Well, we're, we're exposing, we're exposing, we're exp- to what end? All right, so you're just, you're Ethan Hunt in reality, or Ethan, not Ethan Hunt, you're Ethan, that's a different movie th- uh, franchise. He actually is doing things. That's Mission Impossible. You're Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites, man. Yeah, you're the guy over there smoking a bowl and everything, all your, with all the right complaints. And when you're done complaining, you know what you're doing? Smoking a bowl. Just smoking a bowl, dude. That's all you're doing. That's all you're doing. I think that's a pretty good summary of a lot of our generation. Just. Yeah. knowing it's all BS and just, you know, not really doing anything about it other than just calling it BS. Is that fair? Yeah, but he said he loves our show, right? Yeah. Do we blame the church when it's wrong or for its errors on this show? Yeah. Do we blame the GOP, Republicans, 
on this show? Yeah. Is there anybody who is a sacred cow on this show? Pumpkin spice. <laughs> that, yes. Smoked. Even better. Yes. My point being, what I what name? Jeff. Jeff. It came around to you and the boomers this time. Just take the medicine. See, if you love our show, the wheel spins and it spins again and it spins again. It landed on your generation. <laughs> Why are you taking it personally? He it's, actually even agreed with many of our complaints yeah, about so his generation. Stop. Stop. Jeff, why are we fighting? Uh, we agree with your complaints about our generation. You agree with our, with our complaints about I yours. Know. That's the why thing are that, we holding hands, yeah, Jeff? Yeah, that's the thing that stuck out to me is that we've made the same. Every generation sucks. And believe me, I, I've been told as much myself. About in their the own way. Yes. We all suck in our own special ways. It just so happens, though, that what transpired in the, in the boomer generation with the summer of love and the uh, counterculture that had disastrous ramifications that you can directly point to in each succeeding generation then we've had different and worse foibles there are some redeeming qualities about each generation you know what since we're all i've got the talking pillow right now i'll 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 uh, I'll rub your tummy uh jeff um Redeeming quality about the boomer generation. Music and movies. They knew how to do make both. You, you knew how to get, do a job. You knew how to do your jobs. Yep. Okay. Yep. Redeeming quality about the Gen Xers. Y'all uh, know how to call BS. On, you just mentioned that. Um, oh, no. We're passing the sharing ball now. Yeah. Dear God. Okay. Uh, millennial generation. Well, I'll just skip that. <laughs> Gen Z. <laughs> well... <laughs> You have some pretty hair. Can the millennials be smoked? (laughs) Oh, that was great. What did you do, Jeff? (laughs) Jeff did a good thing. I liked what Jeff did. Good job, Jeff. And go blue. Because I'm wearing a red shirt. Ross writes, I was born in 1949. I am 76 years young. Graduated from high school and college. Met a blonde woman. Was engaged. Married. Made babies in that order. She was a teacher. Uh, And uh, I was in sales and retail. We were both active in our church, community, and Boy Scouts. Our sons went to church with us every Sunday. Eldest son is an ER doctor. Youngest is a chief petty officer in the United States Navy. They both found where they were to be. Not sure what else I or we could have done. Ross, you lived a good life. Here's the thing. I've gotten a lot of these emails, a lot like this. Like, I don't feel a compulsion if, if people point out that my generation it, it, it accepts cynicism too easily to the point of inaction, I just said that. I, that's, we do that. Our, 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 response at, our response is to call out your BS and then write Black Hole Sun. And then tomorrow we'll call out your BS and we'll write Blow Up the Outside World. That's what we'll do. That, that's what my generation does. We call BS... All right, we're the BS detector, and then we, 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 we just continue to lament the things that we've already called BS upon. Do you feel like you have to, like, Todd? No. Inst- exactly. No. Like, I don't feel like I have to, like, instant. I'm, I'm successful. I'm afraid. I'm smart. I can do stuff. I've got a wife. I've got kids. I mean, I own a home. I did stuff. I don't, I don't feel this, like, compulsion to just... 
That, what's his name now? Ross. Ross, you're a great American, yeah. brother. You live the American dream. You don't owe me anything, man. Thank you for thank you for the life you live, man. Well done. Good and faithful servant, brother. I hope you know your maker on an intimate level through our Lord Christ Jesus. Other than that, dude, salute. What is it with this? I, I don't understand this need to be like, I clearly, does Ross embody anything about the generation that he's no. a part of? That we are discussing, then why, Ross, would I, you feel compelled to to get defensive? I think there's something about this show and how they agree with us most of the time. But when something that seems like is personable to them, they I think he's Ross. You give me the impression you might be worried if you and Steve actually happen to meet. Like the first thing Steve would think about you is. You're old man boomer, aren't you? Your whole generation is... No, he wouldn't be... Hey, how are you? Thank you for your service, sir. Go... Who's your team? Or, like, it wouldn't have anything to do with... Because your name's not boomer generation. Right. Your name's Ross. Yeah. All right? It, like, it, if somebody said, every Steve I've ever met sucks. Well, okay. We haven't met, so I don't know what any... What bearing does that have on me? I, I don't... I don't understand this, like, defensiveness. You know? I didn't... Sitting... And here's the part. I didn't like, call you out specifically. You did a lot of good things, but like, um, did you have you taken a lot of other things in your life? This personally, Ross, where you've sat down and wrote the strongly worded letter. Like, I don't. It just seems like misplaced anxiety about Man, something. I hope, Ross, I hope when I'm 76 years old, I can say a lot of the same things you just said. Yeah. Well done. It's good American life, bro. Thank you. And I bet you if Ross were here, we if I were to ask him, there weren't enough Rosses in your generation, were there? What do you think he would say? Agreed. Agreed. So then why are we even arguing? Yeah, back I to the previous email. What are we arguing about? I don't understand. I don't feel a compulsion to defend Generation X. I only feel a compulsion to defend my faith and Steve Dace and the things that I'm associated with, like you guys. I don't, those are all very specific things. I don't, but when I say defend my faith, I mean like my own testimony and my own faith in my faith. I don't feel a need to defend the Southern Baptist Convention when it goes nuts. I don't feel the need to defend the Pope when he goes nuts. Yeah. They are their own individuals. In Christianity, you don't stand before your maker with your generation. You don't even do it with your church, actually. You don't even do it with your family. You do it yourself. Your individual. You're individually made, fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You were accountable to him individually. So if we both agree that there was a generation called the boomers that opened up Pandora's box in ways that should not have been done. Okay. Then why are we arguing? I mean, let's just call everybody out. The greatest generation, man, they, they beat the Great Depression, the Nazis, and the Japs. Then they came home and raised a freaking generation of spoiled yes. brats yes. and mailed it in, basically, after that. Now, I kind of can't blame a generation who saved the planet from deciding after it was done, we're going to kind of coast from here. I, you see, I kind of have a hard time, you know, calling them out when they beat the Depression and the Nazis, okay? That's a hell of a run for a yes. generation, isn't it? 
Nevertheless, they didn't finish their race very well, did they? No. No, they came back home and raised a generation of spoiled brats. When your, when your kids went off to college, your boomer kids went off to college and came home and their, their humanities professor told them that because they were lived in the suburbs with two, the two-stall garage, they were part of a tyrannical patriarchy, you should have taken them over your knee and breaking your foot off in their backside and never sent them back to that damn place. Instead of working 70 more hours and going into more debt to pay for more credit hours they didn't need. But that, that goes back to what we said before. Every generation sucks in its own way. In its own way. That being said, boomers made better music than we do. Boomers made better movies than we do. They're really good at that. Anybody want to argue that? No. 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 Not, I just, as, not as good with computers, though. Well, it was kind of new to them. True. <laughs> but I just, I don't understand the compulsion to defend generalities. I just, maybe I'm just different. I'm, I, I'm not, like, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't, I don't feel a need to, like, I, in my timeline, I get negative comments about our network and other shows all the time. I feel no compulsion to defend them at all. Nor would I expect other shows, and when they get negative comments about me in their timeline, we're all part of the Blaze team. What do you mean you didn't defend me against Pez Dispenser 42 bait me? With his three followers and his Twitter egg logo. There's no loyalty around here, for goodness sakes. For gosh, Don, Don, Fargan bastages. Who cares? It's not you. Freaking boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do I'm sorry. No, I'm just yanking your chain. Todd, is this segment everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? Uh, it still makes me a little sad, but it wasn't a total tragedy. All right, we've got three minutes left. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Oh, my goodness. That um, earlier with Rachel and your your montage, Aaron... I mean, that that are the fact. This is where the, you you want to talk end times. You know, the crazy. Dots. This is where we come to the Catholic yeah. wants to end the week with. Let's talk let's some talk end, end times. times. But the, the the crazy connections that you know Harold Camping are making all of connecting up. But just look at where we are. The God Killer stuff is ultimately a, you know it's just it's it's just rewinding the tape. Of the good, the true, and the beautiful as fast and as far as you can till you're back at the beginning. And in so many ways, male and female, he created them. We're spinning that out. It's like one of the last things to break. And then when you say ethic, the ethical, it's not even like, I want, I just, I'm nihilistic. So I don't care about anything. It's no, it's the good thing to do for people is for there be not to be any people. Which mm. isn't just, it's, it's not just like ignoring God or going a different way. It's making sure that the very opposite of God is true. That stuff is chilling to me. It's far more like, it's right there. It's simple. It's as obvious as nose on your face. You don't need to like attach magical scripture verse in every single book of the Bible and, and you know, have some advanced calculus of it. It's chilling to see how, see how close we may very be to the end. Yeah, it, I just reiterating too that woman 
She's a random woman from Chicago with no job and a master's degree in print media. Surely we're not drawing great conclusions out of her. No, 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 no. She's not an aberration. She is the rational, logical conclusion of secularism. That's all that she's just ahead of the curve. Ultimately, every single issue, every single minutia of any secular worldview will end up where she ended up. They may take uh, different paths in getting there, but ultimately, apart from God, death is where you end up in more than one ways. Happy Have Friday. a good weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say. Smoked. <laughs> yes. Smoke your weekend. John 317. <laughs> I don't know.